Bad at Parties is sponsored by Abbey Art Seattle and the Ballard Homestead, music, arts, and community events for people of all ages and incomes. With reoccurring events including the Moth Story Slam, Cathedrals, and The Round, there's always an event when you're in Seattle. Check out Abbey Art's online calendar for intimate performances by many of the artists featured on Bad at Parties. Learn more about this nonprofit organization and how you can attend, volunteer, and host events at fremontabbey.org. Hey gang, this is Andy Zook, and you're listening to Bad at Parties, one-on-one conversations with artists at the corner of the party. Yo, big announcement this week. Bad at Parties is going on the road this September. I'll be heading out around the Northwest playing some small venue shows and recording some conversations as I travel. Starting September 15th, I'll be in Seattle, Spokane, Boise, Salem, Portland, and Anacortes. If you want to meet up for a podcast about your own art or see one of those shows, check out Bad at Parties on Instagram or Facebook for all the dates, details, and contact to get in touch. This week, singer and songwriter Josh Tiggis is talking about a new album that he'll be releasing in late September, early October. Josh covers this project pretty in-depth as we talk, but if you want to keep your ear to the ground as we get closer to that release, or listen to his last project from 2014, there is a link to his website in the details of this podcast. With that in mind, here we go. Josh Tiggis. Right? I did recently read a thing that I also have to put my phone in airplane mode. Thank you for reminding me. Oh, my pleasure. I did read a thing recently, though, that, like, you're supposed to pour beers, like, that it's releasing the carbonation. I don't know. Oxygen flows better, it, maybe. It seemed I really don't know. hip. It seemed really hip. I was like, fuck, I'm just gonna drink a beer. <laughs> That's just what I'm gonna do. Coasters. Dude, this is legit. Isn't this can, amazing? Is it okay to take a picture of this real quick? You can take a picture. You can take a picture of me, but your phone's in airplane mode, so you cannot. I'm not going to Instagram. You can't this is Instagram, Instagram story. You can't do anything with it. That was the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to get into uh, Snapchat. I never was into Snapchat before, but like, I've got a bunch of friends that use it right now. Is it fun? I've never, like, I downloaded it when I was in college, like right. in 2012, mm-hmm. when it was first coming out. There was right. no Snapchat stories. Nope. There was no funny faces. It was exclusively for dick pics. Like, that was it. And I just, like, didn't really, I wasn't, like, I was homeschooled, so I was like, I don't really do dick pics. Mm-hmm. If I do a dick pic, it's Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> right. You know? I was like, Mom, ah. Mom, look, <laughs> it's Dick Van Dyke. That's so funny. <laughs> Who are you sending it to? My classmates. That's your sister. <laughs> Grow up. Anyway, but I just like kind of like I don't want to be cool, so I was like, I'm deleting it. And now everyone does Snapchat. Yeah. Joseph does Snapchat. Mm-hmm. So it's gotta be cool. Right. People are doing Snapchat. It's been I fun. still haven't come back to it. No, it, what's nice is like I found happy like hump happy, day. Hey. Happy hump day. Wednesday. Hmm. I found like I don't know, like having groups of people that I know, like, oh, we've kind of got this set group of people, and then like here's a little thing. And they'll send me videos. Simply not having it stored on my phone yeah. is what's nice. Like, in the it old, just goes straight to that. It, it just goes. It to doesn't that. even download it at all. No, not at all. Okay. And then it's gone. And so it's like not taking up any space. So that's nice. And it's kind of like I like the temporary art. It's not really art, but like anything. Yeah, but it like lets you. It's the freedom to like. It hasn't have to be this work of Michelangelo, nope. perfectly sculpted. Yeah. What if it's really funny? What if you took this video of this really funny thing and it lasts? 10 seconds and then it's totally gone. Totally gone. Right? I like anything like that. Yeah. And that's kind of what, like, I've always been an Instagram person. I've never Insta-famous, but I like when they, Instagram is the king of copying. Mm-hmm. Like, they saw a Vine, they're like, oh, we'll take video. Dude. They I, saw Instagram, like, oh, we'll take stories. I've talked and everyone, about, like, yeah. hated it. But, like, like everyone, like, was like, oh, I hate Instagram. They changed their logo. And everyone's like, oh, I don't really care. Yeah. It's kind of like, but they, now they have the Monopoly. I mean, they, I was, I was sticking with Vine for a long time until the bitter end. And then it was just gone. It's, it's, like, gone now. Oh, yeah. It got sold. And, like, I mean, not, I mean, it got shut down. So they don't do anything with it anymore. It's just, they all exist. There's, like, a record of all the Vines. I love Vine. It was such a great oh, it was There was, like, some Vine famous people that were... The guy who was like, why is everyone afraid of love? 
love. <laughs> like, they're just like the fine, famous people who like really had the following of just like, totally. they can make you laugh in six seconds. Yeah. It was six seconds, right? Yeah. So there is this old thing, like way before that, like it was on YouTube. It was this group, and they still do these, called Five Second Films. And it's basically like they have a five second film, they would put out like one a week. And then they would be like, here's the five second film. And it was just like a comedy group. And it was so good. It was so, so funny. And, like, some of them were just absolute garbage. And then, like, Vine came around. And I'd been, like, watching these guys for, like, years and years. Oh, I copied them. And I was just like, oh, bummer. They added one more second. And now it's a six-second film. But that's the thing. I think, I mean, that's what I've been challenged with for this project I'm doing is, yeah. like, how do you limit yourself and free yourself? Like, Because, mm-hmm. like, you want to, like, tell everything about the song, everything about the story, have all this, like, this is the title, this is where it was filmed, this is the episode, this is who did it. And it's like... And nowadays, it's like, I need to have, like, less than five seconds of an intro and then just get right to the song. Right. And, like, just get to the point. Like, mm-hmm. people have so much content floating around. Exhibit A, it's six seconds. Mm-hmm. Or you're out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, I think that's true. So, your project, you had told me a little bit about this. You yeah. talked to... Do you... Are you comfortable talking more about yeah, that project? Okay, cool. I didn't want to reveal anything... So you talked about kind of videography involved. Are we filming right now? Yes, this oh, is the yeah. podcast. Okay, sorry. This is it. <laughs> I mean, awesome. there's no film. There's right, no sorry, visual filming. media. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. But yes. Um, so you're there's videography, there's music. Yeah. Tell me about this project, because right? we we like we were hanging out. We basically did a podcast just hanging out and drinking beers. <laughs> it was amazing. It was fun. I had the brother IPA again today oh, at Fremont. It's, it's so it was good. The dream. Yeah. Uh, it's really good. But yeah, so I mean, what part of the project I could. Just talk and talk. No, no, I don't really know. All I knew that you told me was I've got this new project, I've got some sets of songs, I'm trying to release them in a different way than I've done before. Yeah, you sent me your music, I listened to it on Spotify, it was cool. I really liked Hoover Dam, it was like a cool track, sweet. Um, but then I was like, okay, so what is this new project, and like, how is it different from just like here's some more songs? Yeah, because a lot of the songs, I mean, Hoover Dam I wrote in 2012 right? in my songwriting class. Mm-hmm. One of the songs I wrote, like, a couple weeks ago, um, like, while I was on the road. Mm-hmm. So, a long story short of past. So, did a EP, came out to Seattle, did a Kickstarter, did the, like, follow the yes, anybody opening house show, coffee shop, Basement club in San Antonio. Like I played like a metal show as an acoustic act, and it worked. I was like the I was the first act. Sure, but I listened to a lot of pop punk. Just kind of like had like the half the half tempo like kind of breakdown with an acoustic guitar. But I came out and saw Seattle. I was like, this place is the bomb. Call it like your a gut feeling or the man upstairs saying stay. So I stayed. But then there was like there was no traction. There was like it was I played these house shows. Cool, got some experience. What now? And then right. it just turned into, I need a job. And I mm-hmm. went into like... It's a super expensive city to live yeah, in as so a musician. I was at a studio apartment and I was like splitting it and I was still spending like 600 a month on rent without mm-hmm. utilities. And I was like flipping, flipping hot dogs, yep. delivering booze. Great job. Doesn't <laughs> pay well though. And then also working at a shipping slash coffee shop slash gift store. Were you were you working at Sip and Ship? Yeah, Sip and Ship, dude. Ballard Sip and Ship. Yeah, dude. It was. I loved it. It was like making like eleven or twelve an hour. It was yeah, just not cutting it. No, definitely. Um, but it was awesome. We met some really cool people, and and it got to the point where I was like, all right, this isn't working. I'm working so much, barely making ends meet, and then I ended up working a sales job, and that was great. Paid bills well. I was like making a lot of money, but then after you finish that, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you're you're done. You're tired. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just like made the commitment. I'm going to move across the country, quit this job. Like I had like a decent amount of money saved up from that job. Sure. So it was kind of like bold, but also like, all right, I have a little bit of cushion. I'm going to move across the country. My sister and I really had a good sound together and people mm-hmm. had heard us. She had never toured with me, but she played some shows. And like, I'm going to do an album with my sister. What's your, who's your, what's your sister's name? Her name's Anna. Anna. Cool. Yeah, so I have a ton of siblings, but she's like the most musical. She's like, literally like, almost like bred for music. Cool. Like, plays violin, sings like Adele's vocal coach, plays piano, plays guitar, can sing while playing violin. And it's mm-hmm. like, if you've ever done that, it's really difficult. Because mm-hmm. violin has no frets, if you didn't know. <laughs> so you're literally like, thinking of two notes in your head, and two... Rhythm, so it's like 
four times as difficult as just singing. Yeah, absolutely. It's insane. And she killed it. But I moved across the country, did it. And is she also here in Seattle? So she's visiting right now. Yeah, she's so visiting so. right now. Yeah, you were just telling me. Yeah, so yes. family did a surprise visit, but it was really difficult because she was eighteen at the time, mm-hmm. and I like I'm not like this musical god or like super experienced, but I've I've interned in Nashville, I've lived in LA, I've toured, and you just know it's like it's not easy. Like it's not like even you've got to put in the work. No one's going to work harder than you. I mean, yeah, you know from bears and other carnivores, mm-hmm. it's it's a job. And yeah. You, no one's going to put in work besides you. And when I got back, like, the first question was, I had planned, like, we're going to record at this studio in Richmond. And she's like, I want to go <laughs> I want to go to the beach with my boyfriend. Can we move the recording date? And, like, my initial response in my brain was, like, are you effing kidding me? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to go to the... But then I was like, you know what, like... I would love to go to the beach with my boo thing yeah. if I had the opportunity because she was meeting his family. Sure. And I was like, you know what? I'll ask him if we can move it. And then, long story short, just little things like that, just like showed up to recording and didn't know the lyrics. And I'd sent her the lyrics and the songs and we had practiced, arranged. And we had to move the date forward when we were going to record. So it's like, hey, we're going to do it quicker. Mm-hmm. So we're going to... Hit the ground running, and then just like that to the Kickstarter, like her not calling, and like it's like how do you lead well, like where you're like empowering somebody, like hey, this is the end goal, like let's get there, and like instead of and then like or then micromanaging, we're like hey, like here's A B C D to Z. Right, you you, have experience, you know that this person doesn't have experience, and so they're not making mistakes because they're stupid. It's because they're just saying like, oh, I'm gonna do it this way, and you're like, I've. I've lived this experience already. Totally. I don't, you don't need to go through these pitfalls. And like, at the same time, people need to go through those pitfalls. You made those mistakes at one point. You were the person showing yes. up late, not knowing the shit. Like, exactly. Yeah. I've already made those mistakes. I've played a bunch of open mics where right. you sing the wrong notes or you sure. didn't know the song well enough. And nothing makes us have less grace for someone than being like, no, why didn't you just not do the mistake that I made before? Like, we're so bad at having grace for people when we Oh, totally. Wrong. It's like, yeah. I've already messed up. You should have already too. Why aren't you keeping up? <laughs> right. 18-year-old yeah. person yeah. who has tons of reasons to not have gone through <laughs> totally. that. Totally. Yeah. And like, there's that empathy there, but also like, put in some of the work. Like, so at the end of the Kickstarter, we... Barely got it funded. At the end, I ended up putting a grand of my own money in just because if you don't get up there, mm-hmm. it doesn't get to it. And uh, and she had raised, I I did, I don't know why, I just I wanted to know, like, all right, so who are the people? Because you can see names. Mm-hmm. And she'd raised 150 and 7,000 was like me. And I was like, Anna, like, is this your dream? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't think so. I don't want to go on tour. I was like, that's really important. <laughs> like, we're going to do music. And, like, this is, like, we just got it funded. We just finished recording this 10-song album of, you know, songs like Hoover Dam. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, recorded as, like, a um, a duo, kind of like a Civil Wars mm-hmm. with a little bit of sprinkles. Sure. Or a little bit of indie rock sprinkles, whatever you want to put it in, in there. Um, and then it got, like, a little bit, like, whenever you're doing bu- business with family, it gets... It gets tough because it's like sure. Your family. I mean, like it's as like, you're talking about this, it seems like you still have like a lot of feelings about yeah, that and like because like I mean, honestly, like it's genetically perfected harmonies. When we sing together, mm-hmm. it's powerful. It's mm-hmm. really cool. And when you have, I mean, one squared is one, mm-hmm. two squared is four. Mm-hmm. You know, so you just like exhibit A when you have someone playing violin and singing a really cool like hook line while you're singing this really just truth filled melody that backs up everything that she's doing while you're playing this awesome Martin guitar that sings this awesome song and then and then it just like blows up in your face and moved across the country and you're like I don't think this is gonna work mm-hmm. and you're in Virginia mm-hmm. and you're like I don't really love Virginia I moved here and it's like what do I do and it came to the point where my sister's like well I want to do music but I don't want to tour mm-hmm. and I was like in my mind at that, I was like, we're not doing music then. Mm-hmm. So I essentially had to, fire is a strong word, but just like, like and I, we can't do this. This isn't working. Right. It's not your dream. And, and then she's like, okay, well, I want all my money back. That's <laughs> like, and in my mind, I was like, are you kidding me? Sure. <laughs> like, are you serious? And 
And then I got to like the point where my dad was just, my dad's a very wise man. I was very privileged to have two awesome parents. My dad, 20 years Air Force. Um, anyway, just good dude. Gave his kids a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And he said, Josh, do you want a sister or do you want to be right? Because yeah. I can say that you're right or you can have a sister. Right, or I can right. say like, yeah, exhibit a, like you're I, being a dick to your sister right now. Like you need to like man up and like deal with this yeah, situation. exactly. Yeah. And it's like, of course, like, you know, she's 18. Mm-hmm. Have some grace. Was she kind of like whatever you put in the, the blank for asking for her money back? Like right. she moved across the country. Like maybe I should get my money back. Right. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Like exhibit a today, it's just like nice to hang out with my sister and just laugh and make sure. jokes instead of like, Remember that two thousand dollars? Like now, like I got my I got in a car accident and I got six thousand dollars for that car accident and it's gone instantly from yeah. like it's like money disappears so quickly. Yeah. I mean, especially you know living in Seattle. Yep. But anyway, long story short, album's done, it's released. I I do all the Kickstarter stuff by myself because she's out of it now and I send it out and it's like an awesome project, but it's like I just. If I'm being honest, I'm a little bitter about it. Mm-hmm. Like not not now. There's still the feelings of it. Like man, that would have been so cool. But it ends, and I'm like, I'm gonna go back to Seattle. So after I like visited Santa Cruz with some friends and went up to Seattle, I was like, I need to go back. This is home. Mm-hmm. Went home, and then I was like, where do I go? I kind of paralyzed myself a little bit. Where you're sure. like, oh, I can't play music anymore. Mm-hmm. And kind of like a side note is if I'm being, if I'm being honest, I moved across the country to hide behind my sister's voice because like that songwriting if to say like I'm really good at something takes like a lot of like you know say it with your chest you know like mm-hmm. I'm really good at songwriting like I, I can I mean, I've gone to school for it I've written like hundreds of songs I feel good about it I know if a song is bad I know if it's good but like singing was never my thing and I was hiding behind my sister's like like I said Adele's vocal coach voice mm-hmm. and when I was about to like fire she said like you can't fire me because you can't sing hmm. and like that hurt but in my mind I was like you're right for now and I was just like I have to put in the work to it sure so like, vocal lessons vocal coaches seen somehow Facebook knew my voice was bad and like sent me these like vocal training things that right. I paid like a hundred x dollars hmm. for and they were super helpful just right. to like know like your voice is like you can't make an alto sax a tenor sax. It's an alto sax. Right. It's built that you way. have a range yeah. that is right for you. You have a, a key that you're going to sound best in and you have to also learn like what how do you change when you're totally. at the top of that range? How do you adjust when you're in the bottom of that range? Totally. Yeah. And like knowing like what's good for your voice because I mean I love Fallout Boy. I love that like belty like just like Sure. Who doesn't? Yeah. You yeah. know. Sugar we're going down swinging you yeah. know. But that's not where my voice is. Like, kind of like James Taylor. He just has that money spot. Mm-hmm. He's never reaching. He's just, like, right there right. all the time. Right. So it's like learning to play to your strengths. And then I'm sure also learning how to expand your voice, like, that actual range so that you can sing probably higher notes than feel comfortable before. Like, now my comfort range has expanded. But I'm not singing. I'm not trying to reach for these crazy high notes. It's just that I've expanded what is a comfortable zone for myself. Or at least that's what I see happening a lot of times. I don't know. Maybe that is your experience with No, but like, I mean, for coaching. you, what, what was it like? Was it like you started off like singing that kind of like Seo Sin, pop punk, like belty sound and oh, then switched totally. down or... Yeah, I mean, I definitely always had like the desire. I think a lot of us grew up listening to um, a market that pushed tenors, you know? <laughs> Whereas I'm a baritone. Like, that's just not... Like, you're not... Because it... it is so much in the same sound range as a typical guitar Yeah, that that doesn't cut through as much. And so you have to learn how to sing differently. You have to learn how to present differently. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, just like, I realized like as much as I put in the work to songwriting, I would like write the song and be like, Oh, okay, cool. It's done. Instead of like, really like, what's the exact note? Like at my school, whenever my sister said that, like I was thinking of what I could do. And, I mean, James Taylor's little brother, Livingston, came to my school, did a master class. And he was, it was... Where did you go to school? Uh, in Virginia. Mm-hmm. It's, like, in the shadows of Virginia Tech and UVA. So it's actually only an hour from the Charlottesville area. Got it. Oh, right. Um, area. Yes. You were telling me about this the other day. Yeah. But yeah, like, 
It's James Madison University. Mm-hmm. Ma- majored in business marketing, minored in songwriting. But uh, that classic combo, uh, dude, is awesome. <laughs> I mean, like I felt. I mean, I did not fit into the business world at all. I came with my skinny jeans and my like thrift store shirt, and everyone else is like in salmon pants and polos and boat shoes, and I'm just like with my guitar, you know. Yeah. And everyone's like, "What is this guy doing here?" I'm like, "I don't know, but yeah. I've got to sell my song somehow." Yeah, right. <laughs> Gotta sling these lyrics. Um, but yeah, so I went to James Madison, and Livingston said, "Like, sing. The, if you have a song, like, sing it." And I sang it, and at this time, like. Tone deaf is a strong word, but, like, did not know the... I didn't think of the lyrics in my mind. I was singing lazily. Lazily, I think that's the word. Mm-hmm. And he's like, whistle your song. And I tried whistling, and I was like, I can't whistle my own song. And he's like, you need to know every note that you're singing. And it mm-hmm. sounds like such, like, a duh. But, like, actually knowing, like, in your brain, like, I'm going here, and then here, and then mm-hmm. here, you know, mm-hmm. in your brain before you, like... You know, know where you're aiming before you shoot. Absolutely. It sounds like such a silly thing, but I was just like so like in the song and in the emotions. And some people had said, Josh, like, I don't, I don't, I didn't know the notes that you were hitting, but I didn't care because I felt what you were saying. So I was like, so in that zone, but it's like, no, but like, that's still hurting me. Like, right. I need to sing the right notes. Right. So I just put it like in my car doing those silly like lip buzzes the mm-hmm. singing is con- singing is contagious and it's so outrageous and like, <laughs> just like doing like stretching your voice and then like also figuring out like where your voice is just like your throat isn't constricting anyway just putting a lot of work mm-hmm. and got to the point where I was like I can sing mm-hmm. <laughs> to say that was really hard for me right to say I can sing and I can sing my songs cuz like every time I would go on stage I was like I don't know if I can sing these songs so I had to take these songs that I had released over time, like Hoover Dam and mm-hmm. um, some songs from the past and new songs I had written, songs I really believed in, and I felt like seven's a lucky number. It's like a perfect number mm-hmm. for like, it's just enough maybe for an album, but like a little too much for an EP. So I was like, this is seven songs. So I actually answer your question, this new project. Um, all the songs are about humanity. And like, it's mm. uh, whenever I meet a new an artist that I appreciate like I'm like always ask for one bit of advice and this I don't know if you'd say she's like kind of like switch foot where it's like I'm a Christian but I'm not a Christian artist Uh, her name's Audrey Assad and I was watching her in Nashville and she was Mm -hmm. the opener so she was kind of I was like more interested in the opener kind of like before she um, picked up, you know, of course, any indie artist, like, oh, I knew them before they were famous. Sure. <laughs> and I asked her, like, what would you recommend at, to a songwriter? And she said, read classics that really communicate or portray the desires of the human heart. Mm. And I was like, could you recommend some? Because gr- I was homeschooled growing up, and I was the worst homeschooler ever because okay. I, I couldn't stand reading. Right. I, I just, like, I didn't have to. I just sat my PJs, and then on the online classes I'd take, I'd play World of Warcraft. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, okay, well, what would you recommend? And she said, East of Eden. And I was like, okay. And I was like, who's that by? She's like, oh, that's Steinbeck. And mm-hmm. I was like, all right, and I saw it, and it was like, 600, 700 pages. I was like, I'm not doing that. Like, <laughs> but I like, scooped up Steinbeck and I saw Mice and Men. It's like 100, 108 pages. And it was the only book at that time I like ever read in a day. And I just, I just saw so much of like, man, like pursuing the dream of having your own place and the dream of falling in love and having a best friend mm-hmm. and then losing that best friend. Just like, oh, the problem of pain, sin, desire, joys, and overcoming and not overcoming. I was like, man, these are, this is what songs should communicate. Right. And like love songs, like I think great, but like songs that like really hit home have the love, but also that like, there's the problem. Mm -hmm. There's that problem that like I taught a high school class over the summer. And the biggest thing was like, what's the problem? Like if there's no problem, there's really no point. Like why would you watch the Bourne movies if there was no problem? Mm -hmm. Why would you watch Toy Story if there was no problem of like am I gonna be wanted by right. Andy or Sid's taking the toys and mm-hmm. you know anyway so with that advice of humanity I just like I was like man like being human like being human is hard it's amazing but it's hard and how do I have songs that do that so 
the song, the album's called Humanity and Earth Tones. All the songs happen to, like, be about, like, organic matter, like Tangerine Tree, the mm. Hoover Dam, Crop Circles, the Missouri, uh, and then... Anyway, and there's a couple others, but nice. yeah. So, so you're also taking some of the songs that you'd released before. Are you redoing them, or are you just re-releasing them, or or how are you adjusting them for this new like project? Yeah, so it was kind. Of, it's kind of hard when you take a song that you wrote like in 2012, like Hoover mm-hmm. Dam, and you're like, all right, do I just really re-release it? So uh, the answer to the question, I changed the keys to the like. This is where nice. my voice sits better. Made sure I wasn't just being lazy with like, yeah. oh, I you did I'm re-record just, that. Yeah, re-recorded them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, re-recorded them. I, I mean, I recorded them all live on the spot in places that they were inspired by. Mm. So, like, for the song Hoover Dam, I think I was saying this yeah, when you were, were at Ryan's house. Yeah, I went to the lake, Lake Mead, right behind the Hoover Dam, in mm-hmm. the desert behind there. I was, like, planning to go just to, like, somewhere in the desert. There's a cool rock formation. But, you know, whenever you, like, you just see something or you hear something... Or you write something down, and you're like, that's it. Yeah. And I just, like, saw this expanse of this map, these red rock kind of, like, mountains in the background. And I saw Lake Mead, just, like, like crystal blue water with all the minerals inside it. And then a couple cactuses, you know, just candidly <laughs> standing nice. around. And I was like, that's it. Like, nice. that's, and just, like, what's the word for it? And the song's about just, like, what do I do with this, like, I've done something wrong. Like, how do I? I mean, the first line of the song is, in my church clothes, favorite shirt, I've been playing in the dirt. And mm-hmm. it's like, how do I clean that? Like, what's wrong? Like, I'm sp- I'm trying to look this way that's like, I'm right. But I'm also like, I've done something wrong and like, how do I clean that? And like, I want something big to break free and wash me. Hmm. So if you're like, at that place, you're like, I'm at the Hoover Dam now in the video. I'm at the Hoover Dam in the song. And instead of just like, here's the song and here's like a music video that's really mm-hmm. artsy and you know, so has, you didn't record the audio live at the place. You recorded the video live at the place, and then no, you did the I, audio in the studio? No, so that was the really hard thing. Right. Because I was like, how am I going to record? Because I, I was like, the album I've always wanted to do is just like, I mean, the word organic sounds like so like overused nowadays, but just like organic and just like raw and real. And I hadn't been able to do that because my voice wouldn't match it, so I'd have to go into a studio, make sure it was just the vocals so the condenser would only pick up my voice. Mm-hmm. And then we like whoop, yep. scoop up that scoop up that note that I missed. Mm-hmm. But now it's like my voice is at a spot where it's not perfect. Sure, I'm, but I'm, it's trusting. It sounds like you're trusting yourself to be like I'm going to put myself. I'm mm-hmm. going to engage in this. I'm going to drive all the way out there and try to record it, knowing that like if I do that, like I have the possibility to fail. I think that entering into a potential for failure is the truest form of trusting oneself. Yeah, and saying, like, like. I have enough to come into this mm-hmm. and say, like, can I can I overcome that, knowing that the challenge exists? And that was the hardest thing, is because the first time I went out and filmed, I there's a song called Anthem, which is not as organic or whatever you want to call it as sounding, but it's just about it's the beginning song on the album. It's just about like pursuing your dreams. Like I have these dreams, like what am I gonna do with them? Mm-hmm. And I filmed it. It's like about leaving a legacy. Like, what's the story I will write in my life? And is that something I want to tell people? And I recorded it when I was home uh, in Virginia. I was like, sweet. Like, what better place than D.C. to talk about leaving a legacy? I, like, went to the Lincoln Memorial, showed up. Like, what was that? I DJed a wedding until, like, 1 in the morning. Woke up at 4 in the morning. Was, like, stoked. Did my vocal warm-ups. Ate some potato chips. Got, you know, those. A <laughs> little bit of, you know, live for the pipes in there. And I went and showed up. And I, like, started filming, and I re- I'm sitting down, and I'm like, this is sweet. I have my mic. I have my portable power. I've bought all this recording equipment. And like, And then your body was exhausted. Body's <laughs> exhausted, yeah. but, like, I'm like, let's do it. And I realize it's the flight path of Reagan National Airport, and my condenser microphone's picking up all this background noise. And it's, like, it's not even just, like, oh, every now and then. It's, like, every 80 seconds. And right. then there's these ducks that are, like, either having sex or just making really loud noises. But they're right. just, like, quacking. And then in my mind, you're like, oh, I'm a failure. Like, what do I do? Sure. And I got kind of a good take audio-wise. I was like, sweet. And then I look at the camera, and the sun had already risen. And I'm the videographer, and I'm the songwriter, and I'm the sound engineer. And they're super overexposed. Like, yeah. the video was, like, is like almost you couldn't even see me. Right. I was kind of dark, and then the Lincoln Memorial in the background 
is just like a big white blob. White blob. Yeah. And you're just like, dang it. Like, I missed it. And my flight was that night, so I couldn't go back sure. that evening. I was like, no, maybe I could like adjust it and like edit it. But I was like, I can't. I have to scrap it. But then it was like, okay, how do I readjust instead of like, I failed. Right. And I'm done. It's like, no, I failed. And like, I ended up filming in Seattle. And it, and it was like, ended up being the last one. So I went on this trek from Hoover Dam to San Diego in a tangerine orchard for Tangerine Tree to, mm-hmm. for the song Gold Mine to the Golden Gate Bridge for the song about the Pacific Ocean to Cape Kiwanda on the Oregon coast, the song about the Missouri River in Montana, mm-hmm. to the song about a crop circle at a barley field in Idaho, mm. to the song about pursuing dreams. But really, like, I left Seattle to pursue that dream. Right. So I was on top of an apartment roof overlooking the Space Needle, and it was, like, perfect. Like, the golden hour, just, like, Space Needle's glowing, like, the reflection of the buildings of the sun, and no... Like, audio problems, no mm-hmm. airplanes. Right. And it's kind of one of those moments where you're like, that's that's what it was supposed to be. Yeah. It wasn't it, supposed to be the thing I tried it to be. And I think that that's holding something with open hands as well, is saying, like, if you're entering into something like that, and you're like, well, that wasn't right. Like, can you say, why wasn't right? Is there something else that is right? Like, yeah. Like, am I, did I just have the, am I willing to let go of this concept I was holding on to before? Yeah, and it's so hard because you're like, you have it and you're holding it tight. And then, I don't know, it kind of taught me a little bit about like, things just change and don't go. I was kind of like with my sister, like, sure. but actually like... Go back to Of Mice and Men, Best Laid Plans. Oh, totally. He's the singer from Under Oath, right? Originally? Who is? In of Mice and Men. The singer from Under Oath, the original singer from Oh, Under sorry, Earth. I was thinking uh, the book. Oh, the book. Okay, sorry. I'm thinking of metal scene. No, nope, that's all good. You referenced <laughs> the book earlier, so I'm I did. bringing it back I'm sorry. to there. I just, yeah, all these metal vibes and in, in deep inside of me. Warp tour. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, so just like going back to... Your sister, you were saying. Yeah, no, just mm-hmm. like, I'm so thankful for that, 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 that she said and was bold enough to say, you can't find me because you can't sing. Because if someone hadn't said that, mm-hmm. someone that was so close to me where I was like, in my mind, I was like, go F yourself. But I was like, no, like, that's true. And, like, I'm essentially, I realized that I'm using my sister, and that's not mm-hmm. right. Like, I'm using my sister, and I was and wasn't. It's like a mixture, like, you're 18, you just don't want to work, you have fun hanging out with your boyfriend. And that's, who, what 18-year-old doesn't want to do that? Right. Those 18-year-old are human... Josh loved to have right. Josh time. What, what 30-year-old doesn't want to do that? <laughs> what 40-year-old yeah. doesn't want to do that? Those are human experiences that are good. Totally. And, like, you realize, like, you know what? Like, I'm so thankful for those times where I, like, was told no. Where some people said, like, you're... I don't think you have what it takes. I don't know. Why are you going on tour? I think it's kind of a joke. Why mm-hmm. are you doing this Kickstarter? Asking for money for your songs? I don't even believe in your songs. And you're like... <laughs> but, like, those no's, like, are, like, good. I mean, they're not, like... When they first, you know... They feel like shit. Yeah, they feel awful. Yeah. But whenever, like, after the fact, it's like, I'm happy that they said that because that's really, like, if someone says that and you're like, yeah, you know what, you're right. Like, mm-hmm. that can be a good determinant. Like, this is something that I don't care about. Sure. And not having that leaves you in that place where you're willing to take advantage of people. Totally. Where you're willing to say, like, I am entitled to your money. I'm entitled to, to receive this. I'm entitled to go on this tour without putting in the work of going and working on this instead saying like, no, like I'm not entitled to any of that. I have to put in the labor and the time and like be willing to fail to like earn this stuff. Yeah, dude, entitlement, being a teacher, you see in middle school and high school, like this mindset of I deserve or like why, like, I don't know. Sorry, entitlement just really frustrates me because nothing's free. Mm -hmm. And for me, like, just learning that, like, my voice and, like, the gift of being able to go on tour. Like, my parents have the privilege of, like, having two good parents. Like, that's not, like, I deserve this. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, no, I was given this, and I am so thankful. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity to keep going and, like, after my sister, after the pursuing a dream and it exploding in my face, being like, okay, here's what I have to do differently. Get back, back on that horse and... and yeah. John you, Wayne it back to the West you, Coast. You were talking about how you were hanging out with your sister, like, literally right before you came here. You were hanging out with your family because they were in Portland, and then they were driving, or they were coming through Seattle? They were from, so, like, they did kind of what I did. They went to the, there's this awesome part of Missouri called mm-hmm. Missouri Breaks, 52 miles, four days. They did that. I had to go back for DJing a wedding and playing music for it. 
But they drove back, and they were going to just go straight to Portland. But they're like, hey, we're going to go to Seattle. We want yeah. So I guess the, the thing I have is, do you feel that with, with her, with having kind of this ruptured relationship portion, have you guys been able to, like, go back and say, like, hey, this happened, we've repaired this, or, like, there was pain in there, and, and we need to address it? Has that been, like, resolved, or is that still, do you feel like, after just being with her, is that still something, like, you're carrying with you, or she's carrying with her? So that's, like, I hate it when people say that's a good question, because it means you're thinking about the answer, <laughs> and sure. what do you want to say? There is, like, resolution, and there's, I mean, part of that's because there's a signed document that's, like, this is now mine. I've given you the $2,000 you invested back to you, and that's square. But more than anything where it's, like, you know what, like, as cliche as it sounds, like, you forgive and, and you forget. It's, like, and that's, like, a weird term because I just talked about it. But you forget about, like, what's the word for it? You forget about, so obviously you remember it, but you don't, you forget that. I guess it's that they've wronged you. And it's like, no, like, that is square. So, like, seeing her today, there's no, like, oh, she... If anything, there's, like, a hope maybe someday, like, she realizes, like, you can get married pretty much any time after the fact. Like, I don't know if I... It'd be very wary to let her into, like, hey, let's get in the car together and, like, I'm relying on you to show up Mm -hmm. to do the work that is... I mean, look at Joseph. Like, there's so much work involved with pursuing... Music, I mean, you know, like, playing the house show to what you're doing, mm-hmm. calling people, people not responding, pitching the dream, mm-hmm. following up with them, making sure they have what they need, making sure you have what you need. There's just a lot. So making sure, um, I don't know, it would just be hard for me to, like, get back in right. a life raft of my the, And I think that the point is, like, it's it's one, yeah, to re-engage in trust. Yeah. In in that regard, in an area where pain has happened before is difficult. It, it feels like that's kind of where you're, what you're saying with that. Yeah. So long story short, there's like still some thoughts about it, but there's like, I can go get coffee with my sister, sit down, like over Christmas we went, went and got, sounds like simple, but just coffee and waffles and sit down to yeah. like talk about her boyfriend that now she's thinking about getting married to and it's like mm-hmm. she's young, but it's like. That's exciting. Like that's great. Your dream is to want to be a mom. Yeah. And if that's your dream, go freaking keep yeah. on living the dream. Yeah. It is as important, it is as important to do that as anything else. Like what is right for you is right for you. Totally. I was having this conversation uh, very recently with a friend and they were kind of just like literally earlier today and they were just talking about, um, you know, my brother's experience. And I'm also like a sibling. Of, I've got two other siblings. But they were saying like my brother's experience is so different than my own like when we talk about our parents that brother is very much like I'm not willing to like I'm not like I don't think what you're saying is right kind of or just like I don't know about that they were dealing with all this hard stuff kind of that and I think a lot of people with siblings or with other family members can can relate to that idea that when you go through something um, when you go through a shared experience you have a concept of what an experience was, whether that's a family member or, like, what other bandmates were or what other, you know, any person, like, you have this concept, and then when someone challenges that concept, it can be so difficult to own that or or to allow someone to have a different experience than you. And we were just talking about what does it mean to release that person to have that different experience, and just kind of, I think that that's so interesting in what you're talking about, about kind of this relationship with your sister because I think it has as much to do with a relationship with a sister as any relationship in an art form. You've got another bandmate that you're working with. Totally. You've got another, you know, whether or not she's your sister is kind of besides the point. She is a person who was your bandmate and then there this conflict happened. And I think that to resolve conflict is so is so much like releasing the possibility that your experience is different than the other person's and that that's okay. You know? Totally. I think the biggest thing I learned is communication with somebody. Mm-hmm. That, like, someone feels something, and, like, if they feel really unvalued in a situation, like, that's valid. Absolutely. And, like, whether or not I feel... I may feel like you... I feel super unvalued in this way, but it's, like, being able to communicate that instead of, like, you're a dumbass. Go right. fuck yourself. <laughs> it's, like, well, that's constructive. It's, like, no, like, well, I don't want you to feel that way. Like, what do we both want? Like, mm-hmm. in coming that, I we both want to impact people Mm -hmm. 
with this truth in our music to, you know, X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. But it's like, how do we do that in a way that, like, works for both of us? Because if you want to be with your boyfriend, like, that's awesome and a really good desire. And I want that, too. But if it's interfering with work and, like, how do you balance that and communicate that? Mm -hmm. Super important. And, like, for any bandmate going forward, like, you know how to, at least in a better way than I did, which was borderline controlling. And it's hard because it's, She's younger, so it's like, how do you yeah. empower... And how old were you at the time? I mean, I was 20... I entered my quarter-life crisis, so I was 24 turning 25. Mm-hmm. So, like, not... Yeah, I was not... Not old. Yeah. Not, not. I would say, definitely yeah. young. Yeah. <laughs> young. I was festively plump in my years, <laughs> yes. The ripe age. <laughs> yeah. The plump age. Exactly. Yeah, 25 <laughs> is like a weird age, because it's like, you're like halfway through your 20s. You're. I hope this is okay to ask. Is no, it's fine. Yeah, bingo. Look at you go. I'm, dude, I, I'm, I'm good at like seeing. You yeah, know. I saw it. You, you cut me in half and you counted the rings. <laughs> yeah, dude. I saw your rings. I'm like, one, two, three, four. Yeah. But like, is it? Yeah, I, I don't I don't think anything of my age, but like whenever you think of, whenever you're younger and you look at an age, you think, oh, 25. Like if you're like 18 looking at 25. It's quantifiable. You're, yeah, you're like, wow, that person's like experienced life. And whenever I turn 25, you're like, man, like, should I feel different? I don't know. And, like, whenever you're pursuing music and you're like, okay, I've tried a lot of different things. Should I still? I don't want to be that 40-year-old. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like such a bad thing. But, like, what would it? What would be worse to be a 40-year-old who's at a desk, like, doing an accounting job he just did because it was safe? Or be a 40-year-old who is tired and full of wrinkles and tattoos who is... Smoking a cigarette and has a guitar in his hand, you know? Right. I don't know. I don't know what's... Yeah, and it's... I don't know. I definitely don't think either of those are bad as long as you f- look at yourself and you say, this is what I want. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care which which one you've got as long as you're like, this is what I wanted. Yeah. Or this is what I want to be doing. And like, if not, being able to hold that honestly and move towards what you're going for. Yeah. And I think that... Um, I don't know. I think what that tells me, and I think this is so important when we think about art and when we think about what we're creating, is all we know is our own perception. And it's pretty limited. <laughs> like, all I know is so what it true. means to be a white 28-year-old male uh, w- with, like, a good amount of privilege. Like, if I'm trying to imagine somebody else's story, I can empathize, but empathy is... I think we put it on too high of a pedestal. No. I think it... we. I think, uh, like, we are 10% of the way there to understanding where someone's at. We have to just assume, I'm probably wrong about this, but I imagine you're going through something like this. Yeah. I bet it's a lot more complex than that, you know? Yeah, so, like, oh, you are losing your dad. That must be really hard. But, like, you have no idea. Like, maybe the dad was abusive. Maybe the dad super loved them, and, mm-hmm. like, that was the only person who loved them, and that goes into a friendship that they... And it's like, how do you... Un- sure. You can't understand all that. Right, and I think that that's great... I think that for singer-songwriters, for people who are writing and who the the lyricism is driving the force, which I would say, I see that in you. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, dude, lyrics, yeah. I, it's so funny because when I listen to songs, like I love the Laney album mm-hmm. that just came out. Who is this? Laney, L-A-N-Y. Cool. It's like L.A., New York. It's like super vibey pop. Probably a mix of like the 1975 meets like more pop rock and mm-hmm. I, I don't know but it's just like super catchy cool and the lyrics are like non-existent right but but to and but to say like what i was talking about with lyrics and like where i see you being somebody who's very motivated and driven by lyrics and that that is kind of everything else that you're doing is yeah. to highlight the lyrics and to point more direction totally. at that lyrics i think that that's where it becomes so important to think like i assume that people know what i'm talking about and that's why I think that the difference between a Steinbeck novel and a book is so important. Be like, the novel is going to present the con- like this context in a very specific medium, yeah. and art is going to say, like, you maybe don't understand these lyrics from my perspective, but I'm going to try to write this music around it to get you in the emotional state to understand what I'm talking about here. And, like, providing the context to hold those lyrics that you're creating and presenting. Yeah, totally. I mean, do you have that when you share songs with people and like they share what it means and you're like, and they they completely missed it. <laughs> well, I think that I I think I oh. used to think that. I think I try to be like, wow, I never thought about it like that. Like that my my reason for what the song is 
is not the only reason that the song exists. Like, how they experienced it totally. is as valid as me as the songwriter. Like, once I've written it, I no longer own it. You know? Yeah. Well, because, like, whenever you write a song, obviously you had an experience, mm-hmm. or you are ex- feeling something. Absolutely. Or divine intervention, creativity, whatever. I don't know where, like, the creative plug comes from. Um, but, like, when you're writing a song, you're trying to make people feel something, and that's going to be totally different than you. And it's like... I'm always torn. I mean, like, whenever you're on stage, do you ever give explanations for a song? Or, like, I was feeling this, sure. or, like, I started this? Yeah, I mean, no, it's a, it's a great thing to, to think about. I, for the band that I'm playing in right now, actively don't talk. Like, it's part, not part of the show for me is to, as a performer in the band, I don't talk at all. Um, but then that house tour that you're talking about that I'm getting prepared to go on where it's going to be a combination of the podcast and just doing myself performing, like... I'm going to be talking. And I've done, like, the rounds and things like that, and I love talking about those because um, then it's a conversation. But if I'm performing with a full band, like, for me very much, that's like a, this is not a place for me to talk. I'm going to let this... Just play the song! Yeah, I'm just letting it speak for itself. Yeah, and also just play the song, you know? Also, people are just trying to grab a drink. Totally. Grab a drink when, like, like, I think that's the thing, too, is I think whenever I'm driving... That's why I was talking about Lainey. Sorry, that was kind of, like, half off topic. No, but, like, when I was talking about Laney, it's, like, I listen to that music because it just has a vibe and a feel to it. Like, the lyrics, I don't think they spent very much time on it because it's just the simplest, like, I like a girl and she doesn't like me and that makes me feel things. Right. And it's, like, awesome because this is just, like, so <laughs> I fun. I also like a girl. <laughs> she doesn't like me and I feel things. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's just, like, so simple. Yeah. And... I would love, in the car, I was just, like, drinking my Starbucks cold brew, because I've been up since, like, five in the morning, and I was just like, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm right with you, mm-hmm. Paul, from Laney. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, that's okay, but, like, there's also times when, like, I listen to, like, Noah Gunderson, or, like, Audrey Assad, who I was talking about, where, like, their lyrics are, like, you painted that picture so well with words, and then they use the melodies to back that up and then the d- dynamics they have or the silence or whatever mm-hmm. it's amazing and I love how people can do that differently in songs and I don't know like one show I watched with Noah Gunderson he didn't say one word he said hey Seattle and that was it and I was pissed I was like dang it freaking no like I want to like I want to know you I want to have a conversation with you but he's I mean whenever he like tuned his back was like turned and I was like imagine like having a conversation with somebody who's like backs t- to you I was just like yeah, it's, like, so, like, I, I don't know. I mean, because the concert I saw before that was so cool. It was, like, with him and his sister. Sure. I'm his... sure that Abby would say, well, talking with Noah is probably, is kind of, is a lot like talking yeah. to somebody who's do got you know, his back Do you know Noah pretty well? Uh, I used to know him better, like, okay. in when I was in college. I'm now much closer with his sister. Like, she's a better friend. She's done the podcast uh, before, and she used to play in Bears back in the day. Okay. But, yeah, in, like, kind of the earliest version of it. But yeah, and it's like so interesting because too, because one of my favorite bands recently, Colony House. I don't know if people ever listened to Steve. Did you listen to Stephen Curtis Chapman? Yeah. Growing up? Oh, growing up, like I grew up. My dad was a pastor. Grew up in the church. Okay. Like that, I never heard the Beatles until I was like fifteen or sixteen. <laughs> yeah, like Rich Mullins, Michael W. Yeah, like I was Amy just, Grant. That was my exposure DC to DC Talk. Music if you were like edgy, time. yeah, um, and I was. Yeah, too. Exactly, man. So. Y- Dill, Michael. Yeah, so his yeah. sons had this band, Colony House. And oh, yeah, I've actually heard this. It's really good. It's really good. Yeah. And they, their songs, like... Uh, it's, it's like, um, it, like the writing style in it is complex and, and is really... Um, I don't know if you ever listened to, like, Reign of Kindo. This was another great band, but I feel like that has Nightingale. a lot of similarities between yeah. what he's writing and what that band was doing. No, and just, like, musically, dynamically, just, like kill it yep and i saw them live once and they talked a good amount i just loved the show but recently they played the crocodile and i think they talked like once and i didn't give an f because i was just entranced i was like this is literally like performing wise there was no tracks it was four dudes the two chapman brothers one's on the drums one singing front man and there's two other guys I was just, like, it was. I was enthralled by their musical beauty. Right. So this is so much what we were talking about when we were hanging out the other day. You were talking about how am I going to present these videos and this music and, like, what happens between it. Um, and I think that 
you know, someone talking on stage is a perfect example of that exact same concept of what is the point of you talking right now? Are you just filling space? Is this enhancing what's about to happen? Are you giving context to what just happened? Like, it has to have a point because this is your whole, this whole thing is your performance. Are you helping to create an emotional state because you're playing slacker rock and you're being like, yeah, you get a fucking beer? Fuck yeah. And like, that's it. Like, great. That's the vibe you're creating, but that's part of the showmanship. Like, you're still create, you're still, like, you can't be like, great, curtain comes down between each song. Like, it's still part of the entire concept. It's a bigger thing than just that. And I think that nothing bothers me more than seeing people not talk for the wrong reasons or, or, or talk because they don't have a reason, yeah. you know? And that's why I love, I, it's so helpful. And thank you so much for what you said when we were at Ryan's house. Like I was talking about having that like other character and you were like, no, what's the point of that character? What's right. the point of the comedy? Like what's the point of the video? Sure. And it's like, actually the point of this video is to be promo for a venue promo for yes. a consumer. And it's like, I want to get right to the song. I don't want to have anything distracting. And it's like, why make this extra character yes. to distract people? This is you using your business and marketing knowledge. Like, if it's not helping you sell, and the point of this portion is to sell, get rid of it. Totally. It's excess. Just sell. Yeah. So, anyway, I want to make sure to adequately answer the question about what is this project and oh. going Okay. Oh, totally. Good. I mean, this isn't really an interview. This is really just a conversation. We just kind of <laughs> talk. Like we were talking before, we just talk. I okay. thought it was great. I wanted to give you that space to like do it. And then I totally put you in the hot seat to be like, hey, this is like this hard thing you went through your, <laughs> with your sister. I want to engage in that because that's what, that's what we would do. That's what humans do. We would talk about yeah. this stuff, you know? And I, I really appreciate you kind of just being willing to engage with that. If no, that, it's my pleasure, because I don't know, because there's, I mean, I can only, I hope other people hear it and say, like, you know what, like, I've been in that situation. Because in that situation, I was 110% right. My sister was a witch with a capital B and <laughs> asked for her money back after me moving across the country. But it's like, actually, you know what, maybe I was a little bit wrong. Right. And even now, I'm saying a little bit wrong. You know, it's just like, sure. And being able to come out of that and, like, say, what can I learn from this? Mm-hmm. And instead of, like... F this person, go to hell, I don't ever want to talk to you again. Because my sister's awesome. Right. Does she make mistakes? Yeah. Do I make mistakes? Heck yeah. Sure. I mean, one of the biggest things that I've always tried to hold true, if you're engaging in music, that often means you're engaging with other people. It very seldom is an independent act. Yeah. Um, And the truth is, no matter who that person is, whether you think you're better than them or you're worse than them, like that person matters more than anything else that you could possibly doing with your art form. Like, people matter the most always like that and you can I think that it's okay to disagree with that so like feel free to be like no I don't think so but like that is just me and how I'm uh, approaching these concepts and kind of being like do I have a song to sing okay but is this is this hurting someone unnecessarily because they matter more than this song you know yeah that's kind of something I I don't know it's hard for me do you write for yourself with bears and carnivores or any of the other projects or do you write for others or is it like a mix Yeah, I mean, so everything, this podcast, the music, all of this is something that I'm really working right now to engage with the concept of hobby, or with the, uh, which is a a shitty term, and I hate the, the word hobby, but the point being, like, this is not me trying to gain money, this is me trying to engage with something that I find beautiful. So, in that regard, it's for me. Um, simultaneously, I think that there's value to it, and I think that other people will engage with it. I would say that I see that in yours as well, that there's value that other people are going to take. But, you know, when I'm writing the song, it's a release, and it's something for me. Um, So if it's something that I believe that it is something that people can engage with and that it it offers value and it has intrinsic value, but simultaneously I'm not selling it because... Um, my goal is not to make money from it. And that's just because that's my personal goal. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's the thing, too, is, like, I really want to just play music, but at the same time, I... I mean, I'm sure you, you're you talking, you're working with... What's the company called again? Jump Rocket? Sorry. <laughs> 
it's okay. It's a it's a software company. I work with a software company. Software company. Yeah. But like you work at that company, you come home and it's like, I'm just tired and you have an awesome wife. I was at Veef the other day. Mm-hmm. And I was like looking, that sounds so weird. I was looking at girls like ring fingers and like, I wonder like who is Andy's wife? Because I never met your wife before. Sure. Anyway, never actually found her. I was like, this is weird. I'm just going to go sit down and enjoy my Americano. But it's like, how do you go about, like, this thing of art? Because it is this, like, expression. Mm-hmm. And when it turns into this, like, money-making endeavor, like, I, what is... I don't know, because, like, I, I don't even know how to ask the question. But, like, I, I've been trying so hard to find this balance of, oh, do I teach? Mm-hmm. And then, like, this Exhibit A, this summer's been awesome. Like, yeah. I, I had a whole month and a half You seemed off. really energized when you were talking about working in the classroom this last summer. Like, it seemed like it was a really good thing for you. Yeah, it was amazing. And that's yeah. what's so frustrating is working for the government. Like, if you perform, and you know, like, working for a sales company, you perform. It's like, here's more money mm-hmm. than you could possibly dream, and we'll promote you to a team lead. Thank you so much for setting up this whole process for everybody. Mm-hmm. We love you. But in the government world, it's like n- crickets. Yep, <laughs> And actually, we don't have any jobs for you because we cut the budget for that because we don't think it's valuable because... Trigonometry apparently is more valuable than learning how to budget money. Yep. <laughs> so it's like, because like that's the thing is like with teaching, it's kind of like writing a song for children because you're writing this curriculum and it's like, how am I going to engage these students mm-hmm. in them and like who they were made to be? And if that's a great listener, awesome. If that's a great carpenter, mm-hmm. cool. If you want to be a nurse, like how do I engage you in you? And if I'm teaching a class on Microsoft Office, like, how do I make kids feel okay that I'm not great at Microsoft Office? <laughs> but, like, I can use this to tell the story that I want to tell. Mm-hmm. Instead of, like, feeling like, oh, I'm not. Because Excel is freaking hard. Like, mm-hmm. all the formulas, pivot tables, this crazy shit that, like, honestly, I was taking the, the class and I, like, took the, the test the first time. I barely passed it. Mm-hmm. I was like, dang it. Like, I need to work on this. But when you're able to, like, let kids know, like, it's okay to have... Um, what's the word for it? Um, not strengths, but like, uh, I'm having a huge brain fart. You have things that you're really good at. Right. You're you diff- are, yeah. People you're- are wired different ways. Like, I'm not great at accounting. Mm-hmm. One, I have huge fingers that hit the wrong buttons mm-hmm. on calculators all the time. But two, like, details, not my thing. But if you give me something creative, I'll create awesome ideas for you. Hospitality, love it. Mm-hmm. And like... For you, like, great at starting conversations with people, why you're so good at sales. Mm-hmm. You're pretty resilient because you're doing music still after many, many <laughs> years. You haven't just, like, thrown out, you know, sure. thrown the white flag up. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it's, like, being able to teach kids, like, it's super exciting. And then going back to the money thing, it's, like, all right, so, having, because you asked, like, what's the goal, what's the point? It's, like, all right, is my goal to make money? Not really. Mm-hmm. But I would love to be able to hit as many people as possible with these songs. Mm-hmm. And if that means I get to make money and spend all this time on it, like the past month I've been able to travel literally from Nevada to yeah the Pacific Ocean and then all the way up the coast and even all the way to the Missouri River and through Idaho and back. And sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you again with another one of these. Right. So you said, like, what's the point? And then you said, like, oh, to, to make sure I would love to hit, I would love to connect this with all these different people. Um, is it to make money? That's not really the point, but if I can, that's great as well. But kind of that initial idea of, I want all these people to hear this music. Well, then let's apply that what's the point idea to that again. What's the point of your music hitting all these different people? Which was one of my, like, I love talking to this about musicians. <laughs> like, why do you care that a lot of people hear your music? Yeah, so we were talking about this before, and I don't think I had a great answer, so hopefully I have one now. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, because, like I said, being human's hard. Mm-hmm. It just is. And it's also awesome. But, like, story is the coolest thing ever. And, then, like, I don't think many people care about high school football. But I love the movie Remember the Titans. Mm-hmm. Because you feel that, like, empathy or whatever for that person, that coach, who feels like a dick. But you know they're, like, pushing you to the best version of yourself. And mm-hmm. if that's, like, a song... That pushes you, like, you know what, like, like, I love this song, I Believe I Can Fly. Like, I hate that R. Kelly did some really weird crap recently, mm-hmm. but still a great song that's like, you know, like, I was on the verge of breaking down, and there's that silence that feels so loud, but now, like, I can 
believe that I can fly. It's like, no, like, I can pursue music and live in this, like, <laughs> delusion that, like, no, 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 it's going great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm making negative money playing music. But it's like, no, but it's like someone believed, like, people need a high school football movie about these kids who were white and black and to share a little bit of, like, you know what, like, is race really that big of a big of an issue to have a tiff over? It's like we actually could be best friends and sing really cool songs together and be brothers in loss and be brothers in victory. And if I can do that through a song to help you pursue, to talk, tell a story about me pursuing my dreams and like, you know what, like after doing my sister, there's sunshine and there's darkest of nights, but that's the best movie. And, that, mm-hmm. that, and that's to be expected and it's mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Or to go through like the song Normal has, it's about my, actually this lady who did therapy with me, mm-hmm. but her husband died of cancer. And like her, like, you know, as I'm doing therapy with her, she's talking about, you know, her husband racing cancer and losing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do you like switch that and like write a song about it? Because she, she had this line that said, I want to be home and mm-hmm. life to be normal. Yeah. Is, is this that like, too a, much like a ask? group setting or something? Yeah, it's like a group, like codependency, like everyone's mm-hmm. trying to make everyone happy or whatever their thing is. But she's, anyway, Yolanda, the therapy person, just kind of like broke down. I was like, I want to be home and life to be normal. Like, mm-hmm. is that too much to ask? Mm-hmm. And anyway, being able to like, she's like, that's a great line. This is a very human line. Like, I want to be home. And kind of make that into a song. So other, because... And I can communicate that with a melody and with a chord and with some lyrics to add to it to make other people who are dealing with loss or the problem of, of pain, as C.S. Lewis would say, um, and make people not feel alone in that. And like that they can take at least one more step or maybe be able to ask the question instead of just feel completely confused. Mm-hmm. And at least know that asking the question is enough. Or like, what's a life well lived? And like, why am I alive? Is it all for nothing when I die? Like, I don't keep any of the money I made. I don't... Mm-hmm. My kids, like, I hope they love me and care about me. But it's like, what's the life well lived? And I, I hope that the songs, and I don't want to go into the meaning behind every song, but um, my favorite song on the album is called Tangerine Tree. And it's about my grandfather, mm-hmm. John Erda. And did he just... There's the song Frank Sinatra... I don't know if he wrote it, but he sings it, called My Way. Mm-hmm. And that was the song we played at his funeral when mm-hmm. he passed away. He died. It's a great song. A bunch of stories. No, just like regrets I've had a few, but I stood tall, mm-hmm. and I did it my way. And like he just like really loved people so well, and like the tangerine tree he had in his backyard, just gave all of his fruit every season. And it wasn't like, oh, what if I give this fruit to somebody in the the fruit falls and it just goes rot. He's like, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm going to give it. And that's what a tree's made to do. A tree mm-hmm. is made to give all of its fruit. And anyway, and that, that's what the song talks about, like giving it all. And it's like, but why? And it's because I think he knew he was loved by the man upstairs, by Jesus, and just like knew, I'm so loved and I've been given so much that like, why would I hold on to anything else? Like his wife with MS, mm-hmm. loving her until she passed away, um, years um, before he did, loving my awesome mom and raising an awesome mom, my uncle, who I still, it's like every Christmas comes out, and he's just, anyway, like, love echoes out, mm-hmm. and, like, that song is about, like, what is me, what, I don't know, if all you need is love, quote Paul McCartney, like, mm-hmm. I want to give and love until there's nothing left, because that's, I think, what humans are made to do like you're made to love and you're made to give and that's why like I don't know what you've experienced but the summers you like gave to kids and it's so hard because you're like you want to receive and like American culture and consumerism is like take take give you know receive receive but the moments you give and you have no expectation of like I'm going to get this thank you note or this payment for you just give and you don't expect like maybe you'll hear see a smile or a hug or like a fist bump, like, hey, thanks for doing that, or a shout out to, mm-hmm. but you just give and you, that's like, it's one of the best feelings, and it like lasts, because that's mm-hmm. what I think humans were made to do. Anyway, and if you're able to sing songs about that, that's what gets me stoked about getting up in the morning and going to DC and record videos that completely flop, mm-hmm. 
to go again and film again. Like, I hope it doesn't flop, but golden mm-hmm. hours come in, and we're going to go film, and I'm going to do the best I can do. I the best I can, mix the best I can, send it off to some people who have much better gifts at mastering and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day, be like, I, I gave it all. And that's all I could do. Sure. <laughs> so, does that answer? Does it answer that? I think it. I think what it. I don't know that it answers it for me, but I think it answers it for you. And I think that that's more the point of it than anything <laughs> else. And I, I like it. And I. I don't know. I'm excited to listen back to it. I always listen back to these. But yeah, I'm. I'm excited about this. I. I don't know. Did you feel like you had any stuff on the podcast that you wanted to talk about that you didn't get a chance to? I mean that. I mean, we went through a lot of it. I was like surprised. I was like, man, I went through like the whole story of my sister and this yeah. album and project. I mean, um, I think that's that's it. I mean, album's coming out in September. There will be a release show. Oh, really? At, Super soon. Yeah, so it'll be at the end of September. That's nice. when I'm gonna because that's it's only two tracks. That's kind of the beauty is you limit yourself, you free mm-hmm. yourself. So there's two tracks for every song. It's a guitar and a vocal. Mm, that's great. And anyway, what's the album called? Humanity in Earth Tones. Cool. Coming out in September. Yeah. There'll be a release show at the sunset and then the house show tour to follow. Nice, dude. If you want to ride with, let's hit the road, Jack. Dude, I'm excited to come see it. <laughs> That's rad. Cool. Well, cheers, man. Cheers. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, for sure.